In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Today we continue what we began last week with the Sermon on the Mount. Last week we learned about the Beatitudes, the blessings that Jesus lists out at the beginning of this great sermon. We talked about how those blessings are not calls to action in the way that we might think, but instead it's the way that God promises to be with us in the world. Not a how-to guide to being a disciple, but the way the world will be when we choose to be a disciple. That kind of idea changes the way that we see the world. When we follow Jesus, when we commit to discipleship, genuinely commit, the way we see the world and understand the world and how our place in the world is shifted is because of Jesus in us. We are changed deeply and the way that we impact the world is changed as well. Now, did anyone read ahead? Did anyone actually read chapter five? five through seven. I mean, if you did get credit, yeah, anybody? I'll tell you that I actually pulled up chapter six with my 10-year-old and we read it in the Bible she received from St. Michael as a third grader. That's right. And so reading the Bible together, this is a good thing. And if you didn't, you've got time because we're not done with the Sermon on the Mount just yet. After last week, I did receive a bunch of notes about the idea of blessing and the way that blessing can shift. Most of these ideas and the notes that I received centered on a general discomfort about the way that blessing is articulated and used in the world. People's experience with people in the world using blessing kind of almost misplaced. And one of the notes recalled a time when the person who wrote to me was speaking to a group and the one introducing him said, here he is, he will be a blessing to all of us. And he got up and he thought, well, he actually said to the group, I am not the one who blesses. There's only one who offers blessing. And I think that we've all likely been in a situation where we have heard someone use that term maybe many times and thought to ourselves, ah, it's not quite right, not quite the way that God uses that idea. And today we get a chance to continue to unpack this idea of blessing and promise and the way that Jesus impacts the world and the way that Jesus impacts us in the world. As we continue today in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus expands the idea of what discipleship really is, the theology of discipleship. We know that God's blessings, God's love for us, is the beginning of our call as disciples. That's first. And then those blessings become the root of our identity as disciples. It becomes the root of our right relationship with God in order to have right relationship with one another. And then it's the righteousness of God in us as followers of Jesus, fulfilled in the person of Jesus, that helps our righteousness in the world even be possible. Put simply, we can make a real difference in the world because Christ is in us. And that perhaps is what drives us most to make that good difference. Today, Jesus continues this sermon with two very good sayings, metaphors that we're all likely familiar with, salt and light. In verse 13, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Salt 
is critical for life. We know biologically that salt makes it possible for life to even exist. But beyond even just the biology of salt and the way it works to support life, salt is good for the stuff that we like. Salt, salt has throughout human history helped preserve food and make it safe. And salt nowadays, in addition to preservation, helps food taste good. I love food. And so I appreciate salt a lot. And I imagine like you, there's a difference between food that is seasoned well and food that is not. Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth. We, as his followers, are salt of the earth because the way that we impact the world is the way that good seasoning shifts the flavor of good food. Jesus, through us, we, as his disciples, are shifted so that we impact the world. We have the capacity to elicit the best, the good, out of the world because we follow Jesus. And he continues, but if saltiness has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out. We are made to follow Jesus. We were created to do this. And when we follow Christ, when we allow Christ to be in us and to change us and to shape us so we can change the world, we are actually meeting our greatest purpose. And if not, what good are we? Jesus continues in verse 14, you are the light of the world. Light is critical. Light's critical today to do all kinds of things, but put yourself in the first century, the people that are hearing Jesus's words, and think about how critical light was then. Light was necessary to do all kinds of work when the sun wasn't out. But even more than that, light is necessary again for life. Think of how food grows, how we are sustained, how we in our own biology are supported by good light when the sun gives us that vitamin D so we can be healthy. Light is critical. And Jesus says, you, we are the light of the world. Light gives the darkness and shifts the darkness. God's light is poured into the darkest places and we, as followers of Jesus, reflect God's light and energy into the dark places of our world. And Jesus continues, no one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but the lampstand and it gives light to the whole house. And why? Because in the same way, we are to shine before others so that they can see our good works and give glory to God in heaven. Jesus offers these simple metaphors for us to begin to understand the complexity of discipleship. It is not as simple as the world today may make it out to be. And so per the usual, I ask, why does this matter? Why does this matter to us as disciples? Why does this matter to who we were made to be and who I hope we want to be? Now, we know that Jesus calls us to love. That's the great commandment. Love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. But God's love is much stronger and richer than how we often use love in today's world. Recent history in the church, 20th century, 21st century, especially in the Episcopal Church, has made church's highest purpose to gather and support and affirm each other. My guess 
is that most of us believe that perhaps the one call to a church community is to gather to support and affirm one another, to accept one another, and that's nice. It's good. It's a wonderful starting place. We should accept and affirm one another, but God's love doesn't stop there. Support and affirmation, they have their place for sure, but that's only about half of the call to love the way God loves. There are times when our relationships with one another begin with support and affirmation, but then God's love calls us, calls us to faithfully shift toward challenge so that we can grow. And that challenge deepens and richens what love really means for us as disciples. Jesus was certainly not one to shy away from confrontation and challenges for those in his life. Jesus accepted the rich young man, but then Jesus challenged him to give away all his possessions. Jesus accepted the woman caught in adultery, but then he challenged her to go and sin no more. To be a disciple of Jesus is to answer the call to accept and affirm people, to uphold the dignity of every single person, and to confront and challenge the people that we love, encouraging them to continue to grow and deepen discipleship and what love really means and who they can be in the world. I often say, God loves us just the way we are and loves us enough not to leave us just as we are. You see, when Jesus speaks of salt and light, Jesus is at once guiding us to be present in love and guiding us to impact those around us with that challenge to change for good. What we do here is not passive. Discipleship is this active engagement to not only receive God's love, but to go out into the world and reflect that love, to reflect that light, to season everything around us in a way that those who do not follow Jesus simply cannot. Because it is not through our own efforts, it is not through our own skills and gifts, but it is through the gifts that God gives us. Christ in us that allows us to go out those doors and to do what we were made to do, what we were created to do, what we really want to do. What God does for us when we choose to commit and follow Jesus is change us for good so that we can change the world for good. We are here today to remember God's promise to receive God's blessing, to reflect God's love out in the world to one another and to those outside these walls. Because the world is not only what we see. God's promise is that there is more. There is more we cannot see. God's promise is what eternal life is all about. Our focus on the Sermon on the Mount is not over yet. And so I encourage you, go read again, continue to pray each day, turn over this idea of blessing, delve into what it means to be salt and light in the world and to wonder, wonder how we can be challenged to grow in our discipleship day by day. Because I believe when we commit, when we deeply and profoundly commit to following Jesus, that you're all going to become even saltier than you already are. <laughs> See you next week.
Amen.